God is always good all the time, no matter what. He is always in control, and many times it doesn't seem like he is. And that's a common theme for my sermons because it's a common theme of our lives. <laughs> the lives that we live, many times it looks like, God, where are you? But he is always doing something. He's always up to something. He's always threading something together that we are just, we don't even see it. We don't even understand it. But God is doing something, isn't he? Always. And I just want to get right into my sermon for today. And this is uh, part three for this sermon. Be led by him, be fed by him, and don't get ahead of him. Let me say that again. That's be led by him, be fed by him, and don't get ahead of him. And we've been taking our text from Psalm 23, and I've been taking my time. I know I'm taking my time. I only made it to verse three in two weeks. And uh, we've been looking at how in the, in the first three verses, how it shows us that God is leading uh, us. He is providing for our needs. And also he defines our needs, not us. God defines what we need. We don't even understand. We don't know what we need, but he does because he knows better than us. He's our father. And also when we rest in him and we lean upon him, we're restored in our souls. We're renewed in our strength. And because we follow Jesus and we've abandoned everything, we're led into the right paths, paths of righteousness, and we know which way to go because we are right with God. And then the psalm says this, in Psalm chapter 23, then he transitions. Psalms 23, 1 through 3 is all about just God's goodness and taking care of us. He's our shepherd. He's there for us, as I just said. He is, he's going to be there no matter what. But verse 4 takes a turn. And verse 4 is really the, the scripture we need to we need to hear the most because one through three is so pretty. It's so beautiful. And we just say, yes, Lord, you're my shepherd and you lead me. You lead me into green pastures and you lead me beside peaceful streams, still streams, cool streams and that, that peaceful place. But really our faith is not even faith yet until it's tested. Faith, it doesn't even have a chance to be faith until it's proven. Uh, you know, we, we say we believe, and it doesn't mean you don't, but it really gets proved when your belief becomes an action. And because of you, have, you have no choice, that your life is making you believe. And that's fine that you said it doesn't mean that it wasn't faith before, but it really hasn't had a chance to, to show itself yet. It really becomes faith when you have to walk it out. And the same thing goes for the peace. There is a rest. The whole point of these three sermons is that there is a rest that God calls us to. And I touched on that in Hebrews chapter 4. I won't, we don't need to look at that right now. I encourage you to read Hebrews 4 on your own. But it talks about this rest that the Israelites, that God actually offered to them. God rescued them from the world. God took them from Egypt. Remember, remember the story, God rescuing them through all the plagues and took them through the Red Sea and he raised up Moses to help them through that. And he brings the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the world system, out of the slavery and the bondage. See, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they brought a curse upon humanity. And we can't blame them. We were joking about we we're going to blame them. But really, if it wasn't them, it would have been one of their ancestors. Eventually, it would have been me. It would have been this Adam. And I would have done it to you. But eventually, we brought a curse. You know, humanity, it, it, uh, whether it was eventual or Adam, rather, is what I meant to say, it happened. <laughs> and this curse came upon humanity. And the curse was that you are going to strive. Everything that you do is a struggle and it's striving. That was the curse. The freedom in, in God was everything was provided. And I've been saying this and I got to say it again. There was no schedule in the Garden of Eden. There was no time. They were eternal beings. You have to really just get this. There was eternity in the Garden and they walked with God, and they didn't uh, need anything. In fact, everything sustained itself. 
the earth, the Bible says, and, and if you, I've watched Christian scientists actually even reproduce the best that we can with uh, science to try to create, um, uh, Kent Hovind did it, he's a Christian scientist who created an environment, he created what would be a, a, a double the oxygen and, and grew a tomato plant in this environment. And the tomato plant, uh, if I remember right, grew about 30,000 tomatoes, like something astronomical by adding the oxygen and having the moisture constantly there and so on. And the earth was beautiful. God had it exactly how he wanted it. Sin brought a curse. We broke away from that. Now, what do we know as Christians? What is Jesus called? Jesus is called what? The second Adam. And that is so significant because what he introduced to us was, and what he proved in the way that he lived on this earth, was even though your circumstances look like the curse still, even though Jesus lived amongst those that hated him and there was still murder and there was still adultery and, you know, and there's, there's issues going on, and Jesus doesn't deal with all the issues all at once, <laughs> does he? He walks through day by day, and he doesn't let the storms literally affect him. He just walks upon the waters. He was living, and Jesus showed us that it is possible. We follow in his footsteps. It is not easy. Come on, it is, there is no easy button in Christianity. Remember the Staples commercial, the easy button? Right, that was Staples. Who cares? You know what the commercial was. The easy button. There is no easy button. It doesn't mean it needs to be hard. There's a difference. It's somewhere between easy and hard. It doesn't need to be hard, but it's not easy. It's going to require everything in you. That's really what, that's what faith is, is that I believe even though, because the Bible doesn't say that the wind and the, and the waves stopped when Jesus walked on them and called Peter out upon them. He was just, he just, at another miracle, he did stop them. But in this particular instance, they existed as in this song. Uh, he, the wind and the waves still know his name. It was the name of Jesus. It was Jesus upon the waves that gave Peter the ability to walk upon them. It wasn't Peter's ability. It was because he set his eyes on Jesus and he was able to do what you cannot do in the natural. Peter showed us. Peter's, this is a very significant example because we have Jesus as the second Adam, but if you could then, you could be like, well, listen, pastor, that's Jesus. I remember one time I was having an argument with my mother. I was a teenager and she's yelling at me, and she's like, what would Jesus do? And I was like, well, Mom, I'm not Jesus. Which is the truth. <laughs> but at the same time, it was rebellious. I shouldn't have said that. It's funny, but at the same time, it is. Because the reality is, is that you are. Christ in you. It's not I who lives, but Christ in me. So it was naive, and a teenager would say something like that. We don't want to be teenage Christians, though. You know what I mean? It is Christ in us. And Peter proved to us that example is so significant because what it shows us is not just Jesus that bypassed the curse. Jesus took the curse on humanity, and he just walked through it. He showed us that in submission to the Father, he was very submitted, wasn't he? He was submitted Sin had nothing on him. The devil tried to get him, had nothing on him. They're cursing him. They've got nothing on him. Try to trick him. They can't trick him, etc. They try to kill him. They can't kill him until it was time. And when it was time, he said, he said, you, you know, you're not doing this because you're doing this. You're doing this because I'm allowing you to do this. And that is really how we are supposed to live. I can't even express that in the time we've got left. But there's a place that Jesus walked with his father that was rest. Jesus did not struggle in this world. <laughs> we do not struggle with flesh and blood, right? We don't war. We don't fight. There is a war. And in fact, that war has already been won. Jesus just spoke it and declared it. Jesus didn't fight with the devil. Jesus just spoke the word. He stayed in peace and he stayed in rest no matter what the circumstances were. 
And when you're in green pastures and in cool streams, it's easy. Come on. When you're on vacation, oh, man, the Lord is good. The Lord's good. Your bank account's filled. The Lord is good. Sunday afternoons, the Lord is good. Monday morning, Lord, where'd you go? And that's real peace right here in Psalm verse 4. Verse 4 is, everybody say, even when. Or you may know the traditional text is, yea, though. <laughs> New King James says, yea, though. And what, <laughs> that's why I'm reading NLT. Because you're like, what does that mean, yea, though? And I'm going to tell you what it means. The basic compound is actually two words. The Hebrew words here are basically saying is that, I think the NLT really does the best job here, is, is, is even then, even when, even though, even because, although, and... Ex- so I've, the Lord takes care of me in the great places and in the, in the cool places and in the peaceful places and in the garden, but also, everybody say, but also. Even when it says, I walk, everybody say that again, because this is reality for your Christian walk. This is real life. Jesus was hated everywhere he went. They fought with him everywhere he went. Even the, the storm did not stop until he told it to you know, later. But this time, in particular instance, he doesn't even tell it to stop. He just walks upon it. Doesn't even affect him. He doesn't need to even tell it to stop because it doesn't have anything on him. Even when, let's say that together. Even when I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death. You can pull it up in the New King James. Even though, yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And this part right here, the valley of the shadow of death, it can be translated in multiple ways. It's talking about, and in, in, there's multiple facets here as anything in the Bible. On the surface, because he's talking about sheep and he's talking about a shepherd. Remember what this psalm's about, right? The shepherd and the sheep. So on the surface, he's looking at a metaphor. He's going to tell us the picture and then tell us the meaning. And on the surface, this is when sometimes you went into a valley and there's a rock, you know, you get down in these, get over into the Middle East and you got this big, you can see that out West too, right? Out in Arizona and stuff and these big giant rock outcroppings from the ground and then down inside is darkness. <laughs> so the sun cannot get there. And to a sheep who is always thinking about their predators. Remember the predators, they come and they creep in the darkness. They, uh, any predator, he runs in the shadows. He hides in the shadows to protect himself so that he can sneak up on that sheep. So this on the surface it is that, and then on, in the metaphor, in, this, in the spiritual sense that there's a deeper depth, with it, which is, is in your soul, sometimes the darkness is so dark that it, you feel like you're on the brink of death. You're right at that edge. It's so dark, it feels like death itself. And we've all been there. Who's been in a darkness like that before? I don't want to get ahead of myself, though. I just want to stop right there. There is a walk. There is a peace But the reality is that you will walk. Sometimes in your life, you will go into dark places. We have already established in week one and two, who is leading? God the Father, right? Through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is leading. The Holy Spirit is constantly leading us. Jesus is the good shepherd. God is in control. God is leading you, which means what David is expressing here is sometimes life is a mountaintop. (laughs) Come on, remember the old, we used to talk about this all the time growing up in church, mountains and valleys. We love mountaintops with God. Who loves a mountaintop with God? And if you don't know that term, that's just, you know, you can picture, you can get the picture of a mountaintop. It's that freedom. It's that it's that uh, you can see everything, you can, you can uh, understand what's going on, you have a greater view, and you, and you have this freedom, and, you, and then the valleys, they get down into that humidity, get down into that muggy place, right? We live in the Hudson Valley, that's why it's so muggy when it's muggy. And you get down into those dark places, and really into the unknown, 
But firstly, we just need to see, though, that sometimes we're going to walk. It says that there is a time that we will be in the valley. That is a part of our walk. And I want you to look at the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 11. He said, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned. Everybody say, I've learned that when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm content and have whatever I have. And I've learned to be content when I'm in the valley. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, just like Jesus. Jesus didn't even need to eat. I've been mentioning this these last weeks because the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me of this, that there was a sustenance in Jesus that we need. He was teaching the disciples, and then the disciples then went and had to live that on their own because the physical presence of Jesus was about to leave. Now we have the spiritual presence of Christ, but now he has to live, we have to let him live through us. But there was a sustenance. They came to Jesus. He's dealing with the woman at the well just very quickly. And they said, you must be starving. And he's like, there's a food that you don't even know about. And he's just talking about the water, living water. There's water here telling the woman that you never go thirsty. So there is a sustenance in God. There is a peace in God that bypasses this natural world. The natural world will still exist. God never promised that he would take you out of the world. Eventually we will. Eventually, we will live in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's not even a great term to describe it. That's because we're still putting a, a term on it. There's no term. It is without time. It is without ever. But at this time that we live in, Jesus showed us as did his disciples, and as did Paul here, that I have learned the secret. There is a way to live in every situation. There is a peace that God gives. There is a sustenance in Christ and in letting the Holy Spirit lead that will supply for you no matter what you have in the natural. And he says, whether it is with a full stomach, everybody say, sometimes my stomach is full. <laughs> and sometimes it's empty. Sometimes you've got plenty and sometimes you've got little. And this goes in every situation. This is not your bank account and your stomach, but this is also your mind. Sometimes you're weak. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, where are you? And, and sometimes I have straight away. And other times he's like, I'm right here. You're just tired. <laughs> I, don't, don't, get, don't let it go to your head. You know, don't think you've wandered away and I've left you. Sometimes you just are in a tired place in your life. And we just need to just rest in him more. I mean, that's really where you have to rest more than ever. You just choose to rest. Rest is a choice. <laughs> just like love is a choice. Peace is a choice. Joy is a choice. Come on, don't tell me they're not. Because you can see it, some people, they've got everything and they still choose to be miserable. <laughs> so it is a choice. So that means that if they can have everything and choose to be miserable, that means we can have nothing and choose to have joy, choose to have real, and not human words, but a spiritual joy, a spiritual peace. These are not things that can be described in the natural. It says for verse 13, for I, everybody, come on, we love verse 13, and this sums this up. What is he saying? What's the secret? Come on, everybody say, what's the secret? The secret is, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned it doesn't matter what I naturally have. It doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter if I'm weak. It doesn't matter if I have a lot or if I have a little. I've learned that I just rely on Christ. Just as Jesus showed us that he did. He's relying on the Father. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's the gift that he gave to us. And so we have this ability to walk with God. Wow, isn't that incredible? This is starting to look like Eden, walking with God. That's exactly what Adam had this ability to walk with God with no need, no agenda, 
No stress. What would he stress about? If he wanted to stress, what would it be about? He, he couldn't say the lion and the lamb aren't getting along because they were. <laughs> and now I was just watching uh, Planet Earth last night, and I've mentioned this many times because I'm fascinated by God's creation is amazing. The creation you see, though, right now is not his original design. The lion that's chasing the lamb, and then you're like, oh, that poor lamby, get away. You know, every, every woman's like, oh, please get away, right? Every woman is watching planet Earth. It's like, oh, I hope you get away. Meanwhile, those little cubs won't eat, whether it's the wolf or the bear. We're watching polar bears and lions and cheetahs and, and leopards and all the predators, right? The sharks, etc. If they don't kill that little baby, they don't eat and their babies don't eat. It's a ruthless, very cruel system. And it's not God's design. God's design was that everything would be sustained. Really, the earth was sustaining itself and each creature was sustained from it. And that is exactly what God can and will, if you will let him, if you will stay in that rest, will do for you. You don't need to be the predator that has to go out and find your food. Go out and find sustenance, but just rest in him. And you can rest the lion and the lamb together. There's no worry. Jesus didn't worry. Jesus didn't fear. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's in this verse. So it says... The Lord is leading us, right? Because we're walking there. He's leading us. The Holy Spirit, listen, just very quickly. The Holy Spirit, he leads us and he led. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Remember, the Holy Spirit leads sometimes into places that are hard. Why? Because he tested Jesus. Come on. He led Jesus. Jesus into the wilderness where the devil tempted him and tested him so that his blood would equal our blood, equally tested and tempted. But sometimes if you were just to look at the circumstance, Holy Spirit, why are you leading me here? This can't be the Lord. I missed it. I made a wrong turn somewhere. And it's possible, you know, we should always just go back to him. Just stay humble, get low. Lord, did I miss it? Did I make a wrong turn? He's not going to condemn you for asking that question. But many times you are exactly where you should be, and it just doesn't make sense right now. But out of the wilderness, come on, on the other side of the wilderness, then Jesus' ministry began. Wow, you need to hear that again. You didn't hear that. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, but on the other side, Jesus' ministry began. And the Israelites that I talked about in, in Hebrews chapter 4, that's exactly what God wanted to do with them. Lead them through, not stay, lead them through the wilderness for the purpose of relying on him. And then on the other side was what? The promise. Come on. And Paul was led very quickly uh, and I'm just going to keep moving because I want to give you a lot today. Is that okay? And I won't keep you long. I can't keep you long. We've got a wedding to do today. So I'm, don't worry. I will stop. But in Acts chapter 16, I, there's just an incredible story. I've always loved this story because everybody thinks that the Holy Spirit, leading, being led by the Holy Spirit is you're going to understand everything all the time. And everything's just going to be a bed of roses. Because if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're never going to make a mistake. Well, sometimes the Holy Spirit is leading you into what looks like you making a mistake. And it wasn't a mistake at all. The Holy Spirit had a plan. And you may not even understand that plan on this side. Come on. We need to come to terms with that. Sometimes you will never understand on this side what God was doing in that situation. But he's using it. Why is he using it? Because in Romans 8, 28, Right? You don't need to turn there, but it tells us that God causes everything working together for those who love God and call it toward, well, I'm trying to go so fast <laughs> that I can't even speak. All things, everything works together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So here we've got this story in, in uh, Acts chapter 16, and, and if you know the story, it's Paul is trying to go somewhere. The Holy Spirit prevents him from going to this particular region. And then it says again, it says again, the Spirit would not allow them to go. 
again. The Holy Spirit prevents Paul twice from going to this particular region of Asia. And then it says that Paul had a vision. Paul got a vision, and it led him to go to Macedonia. So the Holy Spirit prevents Paul from going to where he felt like he wanted to go twice. And then a vision comes and tells him where to go. Now, this is what happens in Macedonia, verse 14 of Acts chapter 16. It says, They met a woman named Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So it says that because they listened to the Holy Spirit, Paul listened to this vision from the Holy Spirit, and he went to Macedonia, and he has this incredible encounter. He tries to go to Asia twice. The Holy Spirit prevents him and then tells him to go to Macedonia, has this encounter. And now you're going, see? See? Oh, man. Holy Spirit, I'm so happy I listened to you. Thank you that you lead me, that sometimes I just don't understand. I wanted to go here, and I don't know why you're preventing me, and I don't need to know because here's the answer. I'm not going to leave you there, though, because you guys know me by now. I never leave you there. Verse 22, though, says this. A mob quickly formed. Everybody say, a mob quickly formed. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second, Pastor. I thought you just said the Holy Spirit prevented them from, you know, from danger or who knows what he prevented them from. And he led them here and they had this miracle. And it says a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. I'm just going to pause let you just, just marinate in this. Verse 23, they were severely beaten. <laughs> I mean, just in case you didn't realize what a mob around you looked like, stripping you and beating you with wooden rods, it would be severe. And they were thrown into prison. So not just beaten, then they were put in prison and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the dungeon, the inner dungeon, and clamped their feet in the stocks. And now they're going, Holy Spirit, we missed it. We missed it. I, <laughs> I knew that I shouldn't have listened to you, Holy Spirit. And I thought we had such progress, Lord. Why this giant setback all of a sudden? We had such progress, Holy Spirit. Why this setback? Come on, everybody say, but. It's two words. God. But. God. Because Romans 8, 28 says everything, all things work together. Everything. He's working it all together. Now, I'm not so sure I understand why we must be beaten to have a miracle, but I'm just going to leave that to God. I'm going to leave it to the fact that we are living in a, uh, a Christ dominion through us and in us, but still in a fall. This is not home. This is not eternity yet. There, that means that if he's allowing an external thing to happen, that means that the peace that Jesus taught us, that the sustenance that Jesus taught us is not external. And I can prove it. Not only did Jesus show us that, and you have a million verses that we don't have time for to go through to show you that it's internal. What does Paul do? How, let me just show you why it's internal. Because it says around midnight, just like we would all be doing, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's what we all do after we're beaten. Just like, Lord, oh man. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you, Lord. Oh, it's midnight. I just got nothing to do. I'm just going to stay up all night because I'm not tired at all. They probably didn't feed us. Sores all over me, bruises, severely beaten. 
my feet are in the stocks. I'm in the inner dungeon too. They didn't even, they, didn't, they knew we could escape, put us in the inner dungeon, but Lord, we just praise you. And it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And I read this verse at the baptism. So if you were there, it's going to be some fresh, this will be fresh in your mind. It says, the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on, there is an internal peace. There is this rest in God that, and you have to get there. You have to get there. You have to choose to get there. If you will look at your body, if you look at your bank account, if you look at those cursing you, you look at the person who is giving you a friendly wave at the light that they ran, not you, and their wave is only holding up one finger. If you look at that <laughs> in the natural, your flesh wants to get enraged. Your flesh wants to go back to the cursed Adam, cursed Eve, which is trying and striving and rage and anger and sweat. But you have to look to God. You have to look like Jesus did through his eyes. And obviously like like Paul was able to do. I mean, Paul was able to be beaten and still praise God because he knew he was still on a high from a natural high, a non-drug high, a God high from what? from being led by the Holy Spirit and having these miracles happen in this city. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to get some flack. Come on, listen, Christians. I'm not telling you to go and try to find flack from the devil this week because it will find you on its own when it finds you. We just look to the Lord always, always. You start serving the Lord. You start walking with him. The Holy Spirit's leading you. And sometimes you're going to get a little bit of flack for that. But anytime anything happens ever to us, ever, instantly we start doubting God. We get into fear. We get into worry. We don't praise him. We don't worship him. Happens all the times to us. All the time to us. But we should make the choice to keep worshiping him. And it says that uh, the jailer, He assumed everybody was gone, so he draws a sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted in verse 28, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights, and he falls down in verse 30 and says, what must I do to be saved? So you're telling me that God had a purpose in this dungeon moment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because this family, God loved this prison guard. And he loved this prison guard's family so much that he said, just like he said to Jesus, come on, we need to be for real about Christianity here. Jesus, you're going to suffer. Jesus before the Lord, right? Here's the conversation. Lord, is there another way? There's no other way, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to go to the cross. Thy will be done. Here's Paul. Very similar. Jesus, is there another way? Following in your footsteps. Paul, just keep being led by my Holy Spirit. Just keep being led by the Spirit, and I'm with you. Okay, Lord. And through his suffering brought salvation. Do you see the picture? Jesus showed us through the suffering brought salvation. Through our suffering with him, we, come on, this is what the Bible says. We share in his suffering, but we also get to share in what? His glory. This is, Paul was sharing in the glory of God, so he was willing to suffer because he understood this. And we need, once you understand, once that peace starts sustaining you, once you truly are connected with God like that, in his glory, then the suffering is for a purpose. And it says that he and his whole household were saved and baptized that very night, before the sun even rose. Before the sun even rose, 
you want victory in your life and the Lord's like, and you're praying for this one and praying for that one and praying for this, but we're never willing to suffer for anything. We just need to walk with him. I'm not telling you to go try and find it. I'm not looking for, I promise you, I'm not looking for suffering. I'm not looking for this moment, I promise. But sometimes we don't understand what's happening and the Holy Spirit is perfectly in control because remember, he's our shepherd, he leads us, he takes care of us, he's, he's sustaining us. And sometimes the valley, sometimes we got to come back down off the mountaintop Come on, Paul comes off this mountaintop into real life. Jesus went up on the mountain, spent time with the Lord, came back down and had compassion on the people. Wow, God's good, isn't he? Isn't his word good? Isn't his word good? And then it says in in 23, verse 4, Psalm 23, says that there's this valley of the shadow of death. And and I just, just, just a few thoughts it's the darkness, and we have the natural darkness, but also the metaphor here is it's a place of the unknown. You cannot see in this place. You must be close to the shepherd. It says, I fear no evil. I'm, I'm in this dark place, but you're close beside me. I cannot see. It's the things in this area, they're out of your control. You're in the green pastures and at the, and at the streams, and you're like, Lord, this makes sense. I get this. I can see this. I see your goodness. I understand your goodness. I can, I, I've got it. But then sometimes the Lord has not left you. He is just as much with you, but sometimes you are going to see, it's going to feel like it's out of your control, which you don't realize it was always out of your control. <laughs> you were never in control. He just allowed you to see him on the mountaintops. He allows you to have an encounter with him and sometimes then you don't understand. It's the unseen. And again, as I was saying, this is the place where the predators stalk in the shadows. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. This is very interesting because 1 Peter chapter 5 mentions two references to sheep. It talks about the sheep and then it talks about the shepherd. And then he says in verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around or he walks around. He stalks, etc. Like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It tells us to stay alert and watch out for our great enemy. Now there's twofold. One is that... uh, you can talk to shepherds and you can talk to sheep. You might be a, a, a sub-shepherd, a shepherd under Christ, and there is some watching. I can't be lax. I've got, a, I've got people that I need to think about. I just can't be in vacation. When I'm on vacation, I need to be thinking and be praying and be seeking him. That's just the reality of the job he's given me. But then also as a sheep, I'm also a sheep. We're all sheep. The, the, the enemy is out there. So how do we watch out for him? Well, that's very simple. I'm just going to stay as close as I can to the shepherd because if I trust the shepherd, if we don't trust the shepherd, we got bigger problems. We need to go back, <laughs> go back to him and deal with some things. You either trust him or you don't. We need to trust him. You got, and, he, and it's like this. Okay, Lord, the song, do it again. You took care of me then. Why wouldn't you take care of me now? You sustained from me over there. Why wouldn't you get me through this hard time? Of course you will. So I'm going to get as close to that shepherd as I possibly can because in this area, I had a little bit more room to spread out because God, I can see you right over there and we can see the enemy coming, but sometimes I can't see it. It comes out of nowhere. Who's had that happen? seems like the devil sideswiped you out of nowhere and you're going, what's going on? Now the Lord loves you and you didn't die But he also teaches you through that moment, has taught me through those moments to say, wow, I was probably a little too far from you, not in condemnation, but in conviction to get closer to you, that I don't want to get into those places and be sideswiped again. Does that make any sense? So he says, you know, all of this said, but I fear, verse four, I fear no evil. And I don't have time, but I wrote a lot about fear because there, this is such an epidemic. 
There's an epidemic, not just in Christianity, but in, the, in our Western culture. I don't, know, I don't know the rest of the world, but I know the Western culture because it's where I live. There's an epidemic of fear and, 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 and anxiousness and nervousness. It, it's like a, it seems like it's coming more and more and more, too, and they're creating... And it's okay if, you, if you're on a pill, I'm not judging you, but they're creating every pill you can imagine to deal with all those different anxieties. Like, well, I don't have this anxiety, I got that type, so a different pill. It is an epidemic, but as Christians, I'm not saying that you won't feel afraid sometimes, you're not gonna feel anxious sometimes, but we need to learn to rely on Christ. We have no reason to fear. You know what fear is? Fear is, is telling God that I don't trust you. It is so subtle. You're telling me, no way. That's, that's not what I'm thinking when I'm afraid. That's not what I'm thinking. I never said I don't trust you, God. But that's what you're saying on the inside. Because fear says, and I'm talking about afraid of that cliff right there. You should be. That's a healthy fear. Okay, fear of the stop sign, fear of the red lights. I have a healthy fear of those things because those things are there to protect me. That's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about afraid of the unknown, afraid of the enemy, afraid of am I going to make it, afraid of my call being fulfilled, afraid of the purpose, afraid of my eternity. Some people are afraid that they're not going to make it to eternity, but they're seeking Christ. They're just afraid because the enemy has just got them all burnt. They, they don't understand, like, am I really saved? And it's just fear. People are overwhelmed with fear. But just, I don't have the time, but just very, very, very quickly, I'll just give you a few. Jesus said in Matthew 10, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. All right, he already told us. All right, that's it, stated. He said, verse 26, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Verse 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. This is Matthew 10, verse 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Come on, you need to say this out loud. I'm not afraid of man. I'm not afraid of the enemy. He cannot touch my soul. He cannot. Nothing can. Worst case scenario, Dawn used to get mad at me, and she, was, and she has conquered it, but Dawn used to, to have episodes of fear that just crippled her life. And I used to joke and say, worst case, you die. Now, she did not like that in those moments. But I was looking at it from this perspective, an eternal heavenly perspective. It was just to, to expose. I only did it not to hurt her. Hopefully you understand that. It was to expose how silly fear is. It's silly. Worst case, they kill the body. They cannot, nothing can touch you. They can beat your body. They, come on, Paul. Who believes Paul is walking with God led by the Holy Spirit? Okay, so anybody who says they cannot touch my body, I don't know. I, I, I pray they don't, and, and we haven't seen that in this nation, physical um, uh, persecution, but it is real all over the world. But they cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It says in verse 29, to sum this up, he's, Jesus is telling us, like, listen, I need you to understand this. There's nothing to fear. Nothing and no one to fear. You do not have to be afraid. He said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. He said, and the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. If God doesn't miss one sparrow falling, <laughs> come on, it's just a bird. I'm not cruel. I love, as I already said, I love the animal kingdom. I really do. I really do appreciate its beauty and how funny they are, their personalities. <laughs> and yet they're nothing if you compared it to, to, our, to the, the human being. They're trying to level us that we're just an animal. We are not animals. 
You are not an animal. You didn't come from an animal. That is a lie. The devil just slipped that in 100 years ago just to make you think, well, what's it matter? I'm just an animal like every other animal. Just roadkill on the side of the road. No one cares. No one's going to miss me. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. You were set apart. God took time just to make you. He literally formed out of the clay. The Bible says the animals were formed. And then out of the clay, he made you and breathed his own personality, his own DNA, his own life into you. And as we talked about last week, that's really what the restoration of the soul is in this same psalm. Putting life that he originally breathed into Adam, that eternal life, is breathed back into us again. Amen. We don't need to fear. Fear is a punk. Fear is a liar. We don't fear death because we've already died. We don't worry about things we can't control. We don't worry about the things that lurk in the darkness. Romans 8, verse 38 says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Verse 39, no power in the sky above and the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that verse? (laughs) Why are we afraid? Why do we doubt God? uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to go real fast because i got two minutes. It says, we ought to think... It says... uh, uh, I'm not going to get through any of this like that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Well, that's funny because Asia is exactly where we read in Acts, the Holy Spirit told you not to go. But anyway, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We were crushed and overwhelmed. What's that word say? Your ability ends. Your strength, doesn't matter how strong you are, super Christian, eventually you run out of steam. Eventually, this natural world that we live in catches up with you. Don't get burdened by that. Don't let the devil come and condemn you and rock your faith, think you don't have faith because of that. That is ridiculous. It's because we live in a fallen kingdom. Your soul is not touched. Don't let him touch. He cannot touch your soul. Keep that thing right there with Christ, restored, refreshed, renewed, relying on him. There is a point where they were pushed beyond. It says, because he was so filled with faith, he said, verse 9, actually verse 8, sorry, right there. It says, we thought we would never live through it, verse 9, In fact, we expected to die. (laughs) We expected to die. It says, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. Why don't we fear walking through darkness? Why don't we fear even some people fear death itself? That was Dawn's, Dawn's fear was literally death itself. Some people just fear just the unknown. I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. I don't know, emotionally or physically, spiritually. But some people fear death itself. And at the very place, in that dark place, the unknown, we do not fear only for one reason and one reason alone. Because Christ... (laughs) We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Jesus, even if they kill us, Jesus will raise us back to life again. Even if they got to kill the body, I am not going to fear. And the thing is, I don't wish and I don't even expect you to face any of these things that Paul faced. You may. I'm not going to tell you you can't. 
I don't, I'm not seeing that as some expectancy that you're going to face these things. The point is you get to the place where it doesn't matter to you. You are not controlled by this life or these circumstances or, or, or whatever's done to you, said to you, et cetera. Cause those things, they will come in other ways. If it's not physically to beat you, people will say things to try to crush you. You do not war against flesh and blood. It's not the person, it's the devil trying to suppress you, trying just as he tried to stop Paul, and he wasn't successful, was he? Paul finished his mission. I mean, he tells us, I've run the race. I finished. I finished. I did what I was put here to do. So with all, and you can go through his list, they're like this, of what he went through. (laughs) And he's like, but nothing ever stopped me. It's because of Jesus is with us. His presence is with us. And his rod, there's a whole sermon there, and I'm not going to do that to you, but his rod, he's with us. He's standing there, and sometimes he, sometimes he needs to poke you. <laughs> You're in this place. It's dark, and let's just get this whole picture, and I'll close with this. You're here with him. You're relying on him. You're resting in him. It's the unknown. It's the darkness, and, and you just have to know, okay, I'm only in a valley for a season. This is not forever. We were just on a mountaintop. We were just in green pastures, what, an hour ago? And he's leading me. I got to eat my next meal, so I'm not going to be here that long. And metaphorically, this might be weeks or months, but in the scheme of time, it's very, very short that we do face anything, as, Paul, as Peter said, for trials for a little while, right? We've laughed about that as Christians. It's always a, joke, a laughing sermon for a little while. But we rely on him, and it says that he's standing close beside us. Really, we want to get close to him, right? He's right. He's walking. He's leading, and it's our job. Stay with the shepherd. Stay with the shepherd. Stay with the shepherd. And then what happens is, is if you will not stay with him, what does he do? The shepherd's staff. Remember the hook? You know what that's for? The hook is for it's not a handle. Not a handle, though I'd be holding it like, you know, way up here. <laughs> it's like, that's it. Grab that hook, whoosh, hook you around the neck, and yank you back. In fact, I've read, and you've heard this as Christians, if, you, if you've heard this, these sermons on this psalm, if you will not listen, after a while, the shepherd would break your leg. He'll hook you as many times as he can to get you just keep stay. Will you just stay next to me? I'll protect you. I'm, I know where I'm, I've got this figured out. We're good. You're a sheep. I'm the shepherd. I know what I'm doing. I'm leading you somewhere. And if you won't listen, he'll hook you, hook you, hook you, hook you, and then eventually just break your leg. So you have to stay real close to him. In fact, what he would do is put you over his shoulders and carry you. Those pictures of, the, of Jesus carrying the lamb is not just leaving the 99 to go after the one, but that's that Psalm 23 picture, carrying you himself. So the Lord's with us. He is not going to leave us. He understands what we're going through. Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He identifies Jesus faced everything we're facing before we faced it. And he knows. Let's just stand and we just give God glory. We thank you, Lord, for that peace and that rest, Lord. I thank you, Lord. There is a rest and there is a peace, Lord. You said, behold, I leave with you peace. You gave us peace, Lord God. You gave us what you had. It was in you, and then you transferred it into us. Lord, I pray that we would lean upon you, that we would rest in you, that we would stay close to you. And if we do, Lord, just like that psalm, there is nothing to fear. There is nothing to worry about. You are in control, and we just stay, Lord, in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.